Well, before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk about complete joy. It's an interesting subject that is so appropriate for this, this time of the year. It's a continuation of the theme from Sukkot, um, which is also known as Man Simchatenu, the season of our joy. Um, this week we're, we're celebrating Simchat Torah, when we take turns carrying the Torah scroll and the Haftorah scroll around the synagogue. And then tomorrow we will roll the Torah back to the beginning. That's, that's also a lot of fun. And if you've never participated in a Torah rolling, then you'll get a chance to come up and um, give it a few turns so that the, this handwritten on parchment kosher Torah will be rolled all the way back from the end, um, the last words in Deuteronomy, it'll be rolled back to the first words of Genesis and then we'll begin again the annual cycle of, of reading. It's a wonderful time. And by the way, we have our new Torah reading plan, our Through the Scriptures um, reading plan that combines the traditional Torah and Haftor portions along with a companion reading from the Brita Chadashah. And uh, I know it's kind of small, but this is what it looks like from where you're sitting. And um, you can take some from the lobby. We have them available there. Take a copy to keep with you so you can uh, read along with us. And special thanks to Cantor Aaron Jacobs and to Bethany Sharkey and to Rabbi Yuri Korshin for all your work on this year's reading plan. It's really um, an important piece of work. And podcast listeners, um, you can join us in this great tradition of reading a Torah and Haftorah and the Brit HaChadashah together. You can download the reading plan um, and print it for yourself at home. We'll post a link so that um, on our social media and our websites next week, you can download a PDF and print it for yourself. And you can also follow along with the weekly postings on our website. Plus, you can send an email request and we'll gladly send you one of these in the mail, as long as you're not someone who's right here at Beth Israel. You have to pick one up yourself. But you can email me at rabbidavid at messianicjewishteachingsnow.com and send us your name and mailing address and we'll gladly send you a free copy. Simchat Torah, say that with me. Simchat Torah, the joy of Torah, or another way of putting it is Torah joy. Torah joy. The joy of the Lord is important to us, and you could even say it's essential to us. And when we're talking about joy for our purposes these days, um, you can understand it this way. Joy is the condition of well-being that includes gladness, a sense of moral correctness, and goodness, as well as positive feelings and thoughts. And it's much more than just feeling satiated or having been satisfied uh, through a, a pleasure that's bodily or according to one of our 
appetites. The Psalms connect joy with the life of faith. And if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalm 16. Just one verse to look at, verse 11. And do you have your Bibles? I've, I've got my Hebrew English Bible here. I've got like 50 versions of the Bible on my digital device. How many of you are Digirati, by the way? You, you're using a digital version. I think they're very useful. And, and okay, little nostalgia and trivia quiz. How many people ever owned a concordance, a hardback printed concordance? Some people are saying, I don't even know what a concordance is. You still have it? How many still have it? Wow, you guys are amazing. A concordance, for those who don't know, was a manually compiled book that um, has all the different words in the Bible, and you could look up the words and then find the scriptures that, um, that have that word in them, and it, it was a great tool. But now, if you go like onto any good Bible app or Bible website, you can put in a search word, and it will find the gazillion versions you know, across many different translations as well. So I'm, I'm proud of you guys that you still have a concordance, and I would encourage you to teach someone how to use it in the event that there's a power outage for you know, a couple of years, and we need to really figure out how to study our Bibles again. Psalm 16, verse 11. It's addressed to the Lord, you make known to me the path of life. Where you are, joy is complete. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever and ever. That's one translation. Here's another one. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Now here's another one. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love all these different translations. But the one thing that I found um, I wanted to like just tweak a little bit was the use of the word pleasure. Because sometimes pleasure is just like doing something that's pleasant. But here's an alternative where it says uh, pleasures forever and ever. Here's another phrase, eternal delights. Or at your right hand is delight forever. Imagine this, that the Lord has given you life now to prepare you for delight forever in his presence, joy forever in his presence. But we're meant in this world, as broken and corrupt as it is, as difficult as it is, we are meant to experience joy. Even though we all have the experience of sorrow, isn't it true? We all will mourn. 
we lose a loved one and um, we experience sorrow. Even though we know that um, our loved ones have been trusted to the Lord, even, even when we know that a strong believer who is beloved to us passes away and goes to be with the Lord and in some sense is in a better place than they were. But we still have sorrow. We still mourn. Yeshua, remember, went to that burial place of Lazarus. And he stood outside the burial place and the shortest verse in scripture, two words, he wept. Yeshua wept. He entered into the normal human emotion of sorrow. And after he wept, he called, Yeshua, he called Lazarus out of the grave. Now, I sometimes have difficulty figuring out how he could enter into the sorrow and then enter into the joy. Because if it were me, and I knew what was gonna happen, I'd sort of be all giddy at the beginning. But I think it shows something. It shows the depth of, of Yeshua's uh, human connection with us. He was with his closest friends who were mourning. And he didn't minimize it. He didn't marginalize their emotions. He didn't try to um, tell them, don't experience this. Rather, he entered into what they were feeling. And he experienced the fullness of that sorrow, and then he called Lazarus forth. It tells us something about how God can be with us, how he can keep company with us even through the difficult times. But it's important to know that we don't stay in difficulty. We don't stay in despair. Our norm, our standard, our resting place is shalom. But it's not the kind of peace that's the absence of conflict. It's the presence of something good. It's the overwhelming awareness that God is with us and that the life that he has given us is a good life. Sometimes I wake up and I, I just say, Lord, this is a good life you've given me. Sometimes I'm surprised I wake up and I'm in Florida. I shouldn't be surprised. I've been living here for a long time. But I, I say, Lord, this is so great. I'm living in Florida. Even when it's hot, even when it's humid, even when there's a forecast of hurricanes or tropical storms or intense thunderstorms. I thank the Lord for where I live. But it's not just that. I thank the Lord for the life that he's given me. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for this congregation. I'm grateful for the, the past that I've had. And I'm grateful for the present that I'm living in. And I'm grateful for the future that I'm preparing for. So even with the ups and downs of challenges of life, I wanna be a person who has a, like a stability in always coming back to the shalom of God. But not just the shalom, but the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, the scripture says, is my strength. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. 
in the Holy Spirit. Where you are, joy is complete. One of the reasons I like to come to worship the Lord is because I know he's here. I know that we enthrone him on our praises. I know that we welcome him into his house. Isn't that funny? It's his house, but we welcome him. And I know this, that, that every time we gather together, he is with us. How do I know that? Yeshua gave us this measure where even two or three of you are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of you. And even in those times when you can't gather together, you know this, if you have become a new creation in Messiah, if you have put your trust in Yeshua, if you have been born from heaven, if you have received the Holy Spirit, then even when you're all alone, you're not alone because the Spirit of God in you is there. In your presence is fullness of joy. I love this one passage. You, you make known to me the path of life. The path of life, it's... How to, how to walk, how to live, a path that leads to life, my life's path. Many people are searching in this world for their purpose or for their meaning or for their, I don't know, why they should even exist. And the scripture teaches us that God will make known to us our life's path. I don't know about you, but I made a lot of plans that turned out not to be the right plans. But the Lord had his hand on me, and he proved many are the plans of men, but the Lord directs his steps. You make your plans as best you can, but the Lord who's watching over you protects you even through life and through the challenges of life. He will make known to me the path of life. And then this idea of fullness of joy. Think about that. Fullness of joy. Joy that is not diminished in any way. Joy that reaches uh, its greatest expression, the full experience of joy. Or abundant joy overflowing joy. And I'm not just talking about the emotion of gladness, even though I think that's part of it. I'm talking about a sense that um, one is stable with God and experiencing the benefits of moral correctness and moral goodness and having feelings and thoughts that are connected to all that. Now, if you're in pursuit of a life without God and you're trying to find um, satisfaction without God, the pleasures that you get will be temporary. And they will not necessarily be connected with moral correctness and with goodness. And so you can find yourself going in the wrong direction. Your feet may lead you in the wrong way. You may engage yourself in things that you have regrets about. 
But when you're walking with the Lord and you're experience, experiencing his direction and his correction, then he will lift you out of the muck and the mire and he will, he will allow you through his direction to choose what is morally good and correct. And you know, there's a satisfaction in doing something right, in doing something well and, and morally correct. Have you ever um, been given too much money back by the cashier? How many have ever had someone give you more money than you should? And what do you do? You return it. You give it back. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, some people don't have that attitude. They get money back that they shouldn't, and they say, ah, a blessing from heaven. But that's not a blessing from heaven, really. Because it's not honest, right? And if you had been overcharged, you would want it to be corrected, right? And so there, isn't there a certain joy when you return such things that aren't yours and you give them back? There's, it's, there's real joy. Or have you ever been tempted to do something that you know you will regret if you do it and you're just about to do it and somehow you are redirected and you don't do it? And then you feel relieved. It's like, oh, I almost, whatever it is. Fullness of joy. I want to look at another Sukkot-related reference from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 15. This is speaking about the celebration of Sukkot, and it says, the Lord will bless you in all the work of your hands, You'll be blessed in your work. Think about that, that your efforts will be productive. And then it says, and your joy will be complete. The Hebrew is, could be rendered more like this, and you will surely be joyful. Surely be joyful. That it won't be an uncertainty, it will be a fact. And then let's go to John. We'll look at two passages in John's Gospel, um, starting in chapter 15, verse 7. These are some of the things Yeshua has to say about joy. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, it's important to understand what the conditions are, abiding in the Lord and letting his words abide in us. It doesn't just say, ask whatever you want. It says, find your life in him. Let his words take up residence in you. And then you can ask what you wish. And you know why you can ask what you wish? Because your wishes change when you're abiding with the Lord. My father is glorified by this. And what is the this? It's abiding in the Lord, letting his word abiding in you, and then you asking and you receiving. My Father is glorified by this. And as a result, you will bear much fruit 
and you will prove to be my disciples. So this is interesting. One of the ways that we verify we're disciples is that we spend time with the Lord. We have fellowship with the Lord, and we have fellowship with him through the scriptures. And we allow the scriptures to speak to us, and we allow the Spirit of God to open up the scriptures to us. Now, the Holy Spirit isn't limited to the scriptures, but it's important to found our relationship with the Holy Spirit upon the teachings of Yeshua and the teachings of the scriptures. If they're disconnected, they become subjective and they become uh, uncertain as well. You will bear much fruit and you will prove to be my disciples. Verse nine, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, this is interesting because you can find a lot out about a person by asking them what they think are the greatest commandments, the most important commandments. And Yeshua was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And he didn't shy away from the question. He answered it very directly. And you know what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, with all your might. So this statement, verse 10, if, if you're keeping my commandments, you will abide in my love. Do you see the, the connection between obeying what Yeshua teaches us and what he says and what he commands us and staying very close to his love, living in his love. The moment you think you're better than other people because you keep this commandment or that commandment, already you're in trouble. The moment you're judging others um, because they're not doing this or they're not doing that and you're just um, rendering such judgments and that gives you a sense of superiority, then your soul is already in trouble. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, verse 11, I want to underline. These things I've spoken to you so that. And the next two statements are really important. So that my joy may be in you. My joy. So if you've got a very depressed Jesus, a really sad Jesus who always comes to your mind. You know, he's just a man of misery and miserableness. Then this passage could correct your misunderstanding. My joy may be in you. You know what that means? Yeshua has joy. He has joy. And he's saying, I want what I have, the joy that I have, to be in you. And then he adds to it and he says, and so that your joy may be made full or be made complete. I don't want you to have a small portion of joy. I want you to have the full measure of joy that um, I intend for you to have. Joy. 
joy. He's looking for joy. Now, some people I know try to induce joy by, um, by outward behaviors, you know, like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to laugh and make my spirit laugh, and then I will be a joyful person. But I've met many people who try to do that, and when they're home alone, they're just as sad as you could imagine. There's another kind of joy, and it, it, does, it, it does manifest on our faces, but not exclusively. Some people just have serious faces. Do you know that? And some people have very friendly faces. A good friend of mine was an artist in Virginia. Um, very thoughtful guy, big guy, uh, dark hair and a beard. We had some similarities, and he told me that he, he was at one of the home improvement stores, and he saw this guy there who looked scary to him. He was going into the store and he looked in the window and he saw this guy and thought, wow, that is a scary looking person. And then he realized it was a mirror that was angled just so. And it was him. And he said, after I saw what I looked like, I decided I better work on smiling some. And so he decided to make that uh, an intentional action, to just try to smile some. In the years when Sandy and I had to travel a lot for ministry going all over uh, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Western Europe, and the United States, uh, we'd, we'd often have a travel snag of some sort. How many of you fly enough where you you run into problems, flights are canceled, or there's a misbooking, or a misconnect, or something. And, you know, there are times when I get like stirred up, and I'll go to whoever is the airline official, and Sandy, my wife, to her credit, will stand behind me, and she'll say, smile, 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 look friendly. And you know, it's, it's good. It's good to do that, because actually when you talk to people and you're not combative, and you talk to people and you treat them kindly, even when they're under pressure, they're more likely to help you than if you're just angry at them and it's not even their fault, they just happen to work for an airline. So just talking nicely. So, so Guys, if, if your wife is, is a good helpmate, she might need to monitor your facial expression some. I mean, there are times when I'm speaking and Sandy's here on Saturday and she'll just do this. It's like, okay, I got it. And there are the times she'll go like this. And I'll go, mm-mm, I'm not finished. <laughs> These things I've spoken to you so that you could be more religious? No. So that you could be the most serious people? No. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So this is an interesting aspect of our relationship with God. He has joy. We have joy. We need to connect 
our joy in his joy and allow his joy to live with us. Let's go to John 16, verse 24. This is an interesting translation here. It says, this is Yeshua's words to his disciples. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. For many Jewish believers, this is so useful. Because especially for um, Jewish people who are new, new disciples of Yeshua, there can be a reluctance to pray in the name of Yeshua. But Yeshua said, you, you haven't done this yet, but if you do, it's gonna make a difference. So start asking using my name, and you will receive and you'll have abundant joy. You'll really get more out of this life than if you try to pray without using my name. And I can tell you, I know many, many Jewish people who were undecided about Yeshua, but leaning in his direction. And they did an experiment. This is the, tr the actual experiment. They decided to pray in the name of Yeshua and see what happens. And sometimes that was like a mustard seed of faith. And they were saying, in Yeshua's name, I ask for this, or I ask about this, and God answered them. And some, some, some people I know, some friends of mine, have had this experience where they said, I wasn't sure until he answered me. And then he, when I realized that God was pleased to answer me, it made it easier for me to be confident in my faith in Yeshua. Ask using his name. I'm going to try to wrap up with a passage from Genesis 15. This life of faith that we live is a life of trust and confidence. And Genesis 15, verse 6 is so clear. And so succinct, it says, Ab Avram, Abraham, believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He trusted that what the Lord said was true. He trusted that what the Lord said would come to pass. He trusted the Lord and it was counted as righteousness by the Lord. So trusting the Lord, seeking the Lord, praying and fellowshipping with the Lord, coming into his house, coming into his presence, bringing your cares, your needs, your hopes, your goals, your plans to him for his guidance. This is the life of faith. This is the life of joy, entrusting ourselves to him and then allowing him to lead us. It's the life that God rewards with eternal delight. And so that's, that's why at the end of Sukkot, Yeshua was able to say some things. It's in John 7, 
verse 37 and the verses that follow. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood up and he called out in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, whoever trusts me, whoever puts their trust in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And he was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. For the spirit had not yet been given because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. Yeshua knew that the life of faith is connected to the life of joy and that those who have a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God can come to him and cry out and say, Lord, give me spiritual drink. And the Lord will. He will satisfy your spiritual thirst and your spiritual hunger, and he will pour out his Holy Spirit on you. The Spirit of God who will live in you and empower you, who will pour out gifts in you. And remember, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you're eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray that we too would be full and constantly filled again. Let's pray that we will be led by the Spirit of God and that we will have the joy and the shalom that comes from the Spirit of God and that we will not be um, thrown into an abyss of despair or sorrow. Lord, I thank you that you have joy and we want your joy. I thank you, Lord, that you have peace and we want your peace. I thank you that you are a God full of love and we need that love. And you're a God who, who knows with great hope the good plans that you have for us. I pray that we could be full of your Holy Spirit, that our spirits would resonate with you, that we would agree with you, that we would be led by you. We would learn to ask for the things that you want us to ask about, that we would learn to pray effectively about our needs and about the situations that we're facing. And I pray, Lord, that we would experience the shalom that is greater than our understanding because you're the caretaker of our soul. You are the one who watches out for us. And you are the one who has redeemed us when we couldn't redeem ourselves. And let it be, Lord, that as we enter into this new year, as we begin with the reading of Bereshit tomorrow, that our hearts would be renewed and we would be prepared for a year of blessing in you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Would you please rise? We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And if you're standing by yourself, I want to encourage you to move so you're not by yourself. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'era Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha the Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. 
The Lord caused the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.